Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes, and a special guest today, I have Alan Kent from Google. Thank you, Alan, for doing this with me today. No, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. Anytime I get to talk to somebody from Google, I'm always uh, amazed by uh, the fact that you guys come and, and tell us information. Uh, I promised Alan uh, that I would not uh, try to make this super difficult. So we're going to start off by me asking you uh, the secrets to Google's algorithm. <laughs> cool. Because <laughs> uh, I'm oh, sure sorry. you'll give me all the answers, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Abs yeah. Okay. Um, where's the exit button? Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> that Zoom leave meeting button that never works properly, right? Um, in all seriousness, though, uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, e-commerce sites and a little bit about the product review updates that we've had. Um, and Alan, uh, I think I'd like to start off by having you share a little bit about your background. Uh, I, I, you know, I was not familiar with uh, your work at Google, and then I started looking at um, what you've done, and you've done quite a few things uh, with eBay and Magento. Can you share a little bit for uh, my listeners on uh, what your past history is? Sure. I actually did my PhD in um, text indexing techniques many, many years ago back in Australia. Um, and so I've been involved in search for a long time. Uh, we were nowhere near as good as Google, but we were focusing on a different area. We we're actually doing a lot of work with um, uh, police and law enforcement, and they want to have a massive data and they're trying to find very specific things out of all of that data. So rather than just any answer will do, they want to find every single possible answer. So it was a different sort of thrust. Then after that, I came to the US in oh, about 2011, I think it was, and joined eBay, uh, ran their search engine team. They're doing a ground up rewrite of the search engine. You just don't get to do those sorts of projects very often. So I ran the team there for a while. Um, after we got that live, they said, hey, we've got this other product. And eBay had taken over Magento from an open source project. Um, but it was having some problems with getting some launches out. And so I joined the team there. I, that's, so I got my first taste of e-commerce at eBay. But it was really building a search engine still. But at Magento, mm -hmm. I was actually a lot more involved on the e-commerce side. And so I spent a lot of time talking with agencies it was a big open source project. And so the community involvement was very important. And so that's where I really got my um, hands dirty with the e-commerce space. And you know, people think of it, oh, well, it's you have a list of products and you find one and you buy it. And that's all e-commerce is. Well, <laughs> I, I soon got um, educated on, okay, that is what some sites do. And there's a lot of sites that do really complicated things. Uh, there was one dog food manufacturer and it goes through a whole survey process to find out about about your dog and then recommends balanced meals wow. and adjusts by age of the dog and i won't go into all the details but you know they do quite sophisticated things and so it's really up to the, the merchant at what level they want to do and so it is not all cookie cutter it's just not the reality and mm -hmm. then you've got to integrate multiple systems um but uh, i was actually on the other side of the table at magento talking with Google and, and they were sort of talking okay. about new technologies and, and things like PWA, you know, progressive web apps and sort of saying, Google saying, mm -hmm. yes, yes, we should do this. And yes, AMP is great. And I was on the other side of the table saying, oh, and can you use the two <laughs> together? And you get these slightly puzzled looks on people's faces. Sort of like, and so I've experienced Google from the other side as well. Mm -hmm. like, Interesting. And so what a lot of what I do now, I'm, uh, was in the web develop, developer relations team. I'm now in the search relations team. 
And I actually spend most of my time behind the scenes trying to get different teams to sort of come up with one unified message to say, yes, I know for search you want this, but the merchant center wants that. Mm-hmm. How, what's a bit of advice that we can give that's true for everybody and try and get one um, advice. And so I specialize in the e-commerce space um, and I spend as much time on the inside trying to get agreement between different teams of the best way to do something that makes sense for everybody to then try and share. And so there's things like the videos, there's some documentation. Um, it, I look back at it sometimes and say, is that all? Um, <laughs> it's only so much. Um, it doesn't reflect necessarily the great big conversations that have gone on in t- inside the company to get everybody to sort of say, oh, yeah, yeah, we should do it like this because that makes sense as a uniform like a unified sort of position to tell merchants. Well, that's fascinating. So you've seen it from both sides then, and uh, and you can understand some of our frustration uh, in advising websites, uh, how to use Google's best practices, because sometimes it's, it's not always clear. Um, and something I'm going to do is link in the show notes to some of your uh, recent videos that you've been uh, putting out through uh, Google Search Central, um, I think. Is it Google Search Central? Well, you've had yes. some, some recent uh, videos um, just with tips for e-commerce sites. And we've been covering them in newsletter because they're, they're not they might seem like basic tips, uh, but I feel that there's a whole lot about e-commerce SEO that SEOs have uh, sort of overlooked. Um, when we first started talking about Merchant Center, uh, and I'm, I'm going to be really open here, and I'm a little bit embarrassed by how little I know about Merchant Center, because to me, uh, Merchant Center always seemed like a PPC thing, um, and but it's not, is it? Like there's, uh, It's very important for not your anymore. organic search. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so historically, it probably was more true. Like it started off, uh, I actually don't know the exact history, but it started off more like, oh, you want to get ads out? Great. Well, here's a, a way to upload information about your products so you can get product listing ads and so forth. Uh, but these days, it's all been opened up. Um, so the shopping tab, you can yes. get free listings in the shopping tab, anybody. So if you've got products and you want to get it into another surface, you can get it into there. And so Google Merchant Center is sort of like the, the console for having your feeds and controlling your feeds. And so you can give us a direct feed of saying, here is a product. It understands variants properly. Now, Google Search sort of understands variants, but not very well. Mm-hmm. But Google Merchant Center, they're, they're bread and butter to it. it. It understands the concepts of variants. And so it wants to know about every single variant of like every single color, every single size that you've got in stock. It would like to know where they are, because then if somebody just says, find a backpack near me in blue, it can actually use that knowledge to yeah. use the lo- the, your local inventory to sort of send someone off to a physical store, maybe. Because we're, we're not yeah. only about uh, online, we're, we're just about products and trying to help people find information. Um, and so Google Merchant Center gives you a way of updating that feed of information. Um, we've been doing more and more, so we can get it more and more, just crawl it off your site. Mm-hmm. But then you've got to wait for us to crawl your site. Yes. And the crawl rate, you don't control. Whereas the feeds, you actually have much greater control of the frequency of updates. And so if you really want to, you can upload the feed once an hour. Now, that data is still going to get across in the search and from the search side. But if you want to get in the shopping tab, you can tell us about you know, inventory updates. Most people do it like once a day or something like that. It depends mm-hmm. on, the, mm-hmm. on your company. But you can get um, availability information updated much more regularly on your schedule. You know, it might tie into your inventory management system, checking when to actually go off and do it. Um, and so it gives you, it, it, 
it, it's not a way of saying, oh, I'm going to rank higher. It's more yes. a matter of you can get your data to us in a more timely way. And behind the scenes, there's lots of different databases. And we use all sorts of information then to contribute to what goes into search results. Mm-hmm. That is one of those sources. Uh, like in the last video, um, it talked about you might have a pay, a product and you can't actually navigate to it. Like you've forgotten about that. You can't actually yeah, navigate yeah. it to it through a category structure. It got left out for some reason. You can find it if you do a search on your site. Google won't find it because we mm-hmm. won't do a search. And so mm-hmm. the feed tells us all the URLs to your products. And we'll use that as well when trying to make sure we've found everything on your site to feed into the crawler. And so it might get found when it didn't get found otherwise just by crawling links. Excellent. Yes, I was watching in your video where you said uh, one thing that can help is to implement structured data. Uh, and then also uh, tell Google about changes in Merchant Center. Uh, and by doing both of those things, we have a better chance of you picking up a, a price drop or um, yes. you know something that we want to be uh, showing in uh, in rich results. Uh, so w- would you say that, uh, is it fair to say that anybody with an e-commerce site that sells products uh, should be looking into Merchant Center, should be involved in Merchant Center? There is effort to it. So I'm not going to pretend to zero effort. Um, My default answer would be yes. You should have a look at it. Uh, Do you have to do it? No. But I'd say the more serious the business is, the more it makes sense to look at. And the other thing is if you look at something like Shopify, well, there's an extension you can go get. And most of the e-commerce platforms have an extension. So it's not like you have Mm -hmm. to go off and code it all yourself. is it mandatory? No, I'm not going to say it's mandatory. It just wouldn't be true. Is it a good idea? Generally, I would say yes. And it's things like freshness of data, discovery of data a bit more promptly. It's those sorts of things. It also gives us a bit more precision. If you care about the shopping tab, I'm Mm -hmm. more on the the more web search side of things. And so there's different teams internally, but the actual shopping tab, it gets driven by a lot of this data and it needs to know the richness so it can get the faceted search. So you can do the sizing and so forth and make sure it really understands all those variants properly. So via Google Merchant Center, it's got feeds with all the individual fields. which is what structured data is moving more and more towards. Mm-hmm. But if we just mm-hmm. scan a web page and just look at the text on a web page without structured data, we've got a guess. Yes. And so we see a dollar figure on that thing. Well, hang on. Was that the original list price? Was that the list, your price from last week? Was it the recommended price? Was it the discounted price? Or was it the VIP price for members only? Was, and, you know, we, we do our best to get it right, but things go wrong sometimes. Yeah. And so yeah, structured yeah. data let, gives us more precision over making sure we interpret it correctly. So even structured data, people say, Does, should everybody do structured data? Well, if we get it right, it helps. Mm-hmm. If we get it wrong, boy, does it help. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. our blanket advice is, yeah, it is better because it helps us not make mistakes. when Because we'll use yep. an automated thing. And if we get it right... And that's why part of the challenge of suggesting these things is, is it guaranteed to improve things? No. Mm-hmm. Your site may be working completely fine without merchant center, without structured data. But if, if, you've got, if, you've got, if you really care about it, it helps us reduce errors. Makes it helps sense. us not Does make get sense. the page wrong. Yeah. And it's sort of like, gee, people just want a clear answer. Should I always do it or sure I wouldn't? Well... Um, I'm going to avoid saying it depends, but, but the reality <laughs> is, is um, I can't promise it'll always help, 
but it does mm -hmm. reduce the chance of errors and so forth. Well, I'm going to be paying more attention to it for uh, our, you know, when we advise e-commerce clients, because uh, like I said, I, I've ignored it for so long because uh, thinking it was just a PPC thing. Um, uh, you know, you, you reminded me of uh, pros and cons is an area where I, I did a, a podcast episode recently talking about how Google was extracting pros and cons uh, for uh, many things without structured data. And then uh, and then you came out with uh, structured data for pros and cons. Uh, and I, I, it seems to me like Google's goal would be to not have to rely on structured data. Uh, but uh, the more we can still um, provide uh, people uh, with information, provide Google with information, uh, the better it is for, for clarity. Um, uh, yeah. Did you want to say anything about pros and cons? Is that how important it, is that? It's exactly the same thing as what I was talking about. If you give us the markup, we're more likely to not make a mistake when we try yes. and automatically extract it. The text still needs to be on the page. So if we find some structured data and don't find that on the page, we won't use it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's not a way of sneaking things in, but it, it just helps us identify what you think are the most important pros and cons because it's all machine processed. The algorithms get it wrong at times. And, mm -hmm. and so it, it does make it, it improves the accuracy of it. Okay. Uh, speaking of algorithms, I, I did want to mention uh, that Google is apparently running an update right now, the helpful content update. Uh, and I, I say apparently because we've seen very little at the time of recording this in terms of, of movement. Can you tell us anything about the helpful content update or is that your uh, area? It's not really my area, to be completely honest. So I, 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 um, I think the overall goal of it is good. It's actually very relevant, which is to product reviews. Uh, mm -hmm the actual rollout to things, the reality is, is it's, it's always hard to sort of talk about these rollouts at times because sometimes things go wrong and sometimes they take longer than expected. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's in certain data centers and not others. So why are some people seeing it? And why aren't other people? It's such a large and complicated system that yes. um, that, that one I'm going to leave to the experts. So For sure. I actually think it's the, the overall goal of it is relevant to product reviews. Mm -hmm. But the actual rollout dates and so forth, yeah, I'm I'm going to not add anything to it because it'd just be adding noise. For sure, for sure, and I I get that. It must be hard for uh, for any Google employee to field these questions because we're always trying to reverse engineer or at least to understand uh, what Google's doing. Yeah. Um, it, and uh, there, you know, you mentioned, that. yeah, yeah, you've been on the other side, so you know what uh, what it's like from our our point of view. Um, the product reviews updates, though, you've been heavily involved in those, correct? I've been helping with the communication aspect of okay. them. So because it, there's like, there's whole teams of people working on all of these things. I, mm -hmm. I don't go near the code. I don't okay. so If you want to know the exact algorithm, I don't even know it. <laughs> um, but certainly I talk with the people to try and understand and bring out the relevant aspects of it and then help with the communication and gather feedback. So one of the things I also do uh, that people don't always realize about developer advocates and search relations. And, uh, like we also try and listen and provide feedback internally. And some people take more advantage of that than others. Mm -hmm. um, they never get any feedback. So if they sort of say, hey, why did you get this result and here? And I'll say, that is interesting. I will pass it on to the team. I, I might not even say I'll pass it on to the team. I will mm -hmm. never tell them anything afterwards. Mm -hmm. because I'm not allowed mm -hmm. to. So, so there's an yeah. honest results policy that people on the outside don't realize how strict it is on the inside. So for example, mm -hmm. we don't do SEO of our own documentation. 
Okay. We're not allowed to help other teams with their SEO advice. We don't even do the SEO on our own documentation. We hire external consultants at times to actually oh, really? do SEO. It's because we're not allowed to have bias. And How so, do I get that gig? <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah, I got no idea. Uh, the But it, it's like it's something like people sort of say, do they, Google really take this stuff seriously? And the answer is yes. And so we've sent internal teams at times to our public forums to get help on how to do mm-hmm. SEO, mm-hmm. which feels a bit crazy. And I thought, yeah. uh, but it, it's, it's treated very seriously. Uh, like, you know, we must not have bias. And mm-hmm. do we always get it right? Well, I, I can't. People make mistakes. We're all humans. But it, but it is inter- certainly in policy. And a, we reject more internal questions than we answer, even mm-hmm. from within Google. Because so here I can talk to you because this is going to be a public podcast. Everybody's going to have access to the data. So it's not that we can't share data, but we've yeah. just got to share it um, freely and publicly. So docs, videos, conferences that are public. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, no, no private engagements at all. And that, that's sort of been one of the things I've missed yeah. because I used yeah. to talk a lot more with platforms, but in this particular role, it's harder for me to talk to vendors individually because yeah. I, I can't give them any bias. And yet you probably need to be careful what you say uh, publicly because um, we'll sort of take every word and see what we can pull out of that. Uh, yeah. And it's, yeah. And it, the real risk is people p- pull out a, a meaning that wasn't intended from yeah, what was said. Yeah, that's yeah, the, that's yeah. the worst of it. And it's sort of like, oh, we used that word, did he? And, <laughs> uh, well, I, I just speaking, you know, I've got an Australian accent. I'm Australian. Uh, anyway. um, the I feel like Google's been like, the, you've been really uh, transparent with us and giving us a lot of information about what the product reviews updates aim to, to go after. Um, and so uh, you started with a list of, of a bunch of questions uh, that site owners could ask themselves about their content. Um, wh- where did those questions come from? Do you know how they got developed? Yeah, and I, I may go off track a little bit here as, as yeah, well. Just right. as, a, as a little bit of background. Um, so one of the things I find that people have uh, is sort of like machine learning and artificial intelligence and I, I did one of those Coursera courses on it, so I don't claim to be an expert. And it's sort of like going into it, wow, this is so sophisticated and so wonderful. And why can't you explain the end result? And at the end of the course, I said, oh, is that just how it works? You know, it, it, uh, and understanding these things uh, is useful. And so I'm going to give you a, a, a little bit of a thing and then feed it back to what your question right. was about. Yeah. So how machine learning works is you give it a whole lot of, examples and you say these are good things i like these i want more like this these are bad things Uh, and i don't really know why but i'm going to tell you something about it i'm going to tell you um and it comes into these sorts of factors like here are the sorts of things we think you should look out for you should look at the words you should look at the phrasing oh well you should look at the images you should look at the and so there's a whole lot of things that should look at and then we give you lots of examples of good ones that we like. And then we give you lots of bad ones that we dislike. And you try and work out a pattern. And so it might mm-hmm. say, okay, well, I know the time of day. I know the country they're coming from. Maybe I know their, what they've done in the past. And I've, I've know, I know a whole lot of stuff. I know things about these pages. I know what people have seemed to indicate they like more of. Um, if, if somebody 
there's a whole lot of signals and I'm not going to say what the exact signals are. I don't read anything like that into what I'm saying. Yes. But these are the sorts of things that we've, we look at to sort of say, we've tended to see that these are the behaviors of what people have found more useful. We've found that people like have generally found a review with an original photo to prove that they've actually done it more than somebody who's just done an automatic scraper that's pulled all the images directly from the manufacturer Yes. Well, well, and so that's what people like. And mm-hmm. then what the machine learning is trying to do is to try and spot patterns of how important are these different things to real people and their results. And then when you get into AI and machine learning, there's no algorithm that says, if the re- image is original, then give them a 50% boost. No, 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 no. Machine learning is just trying to look at what all the good examples was and tries to work out, um, oh, if they're from... Kansas in the US and it's a hot day and oh those combinations of a good image like with the sun in it that, that, that's possibly more interesting to them fascinating a human actually can't tell you yeah it's decision process it's just used on real sort of data and I'm not saying this is exactly how Google does it all but this is how machine learning works in general and machine learning is used by Google and a whole lot of other techniques are used by Google and I'm not saying exactly what they are but it's one of the reasons you can't actually answer some of the questions at times is because Mm -hmm. no human knows these are the sorts of signals that feed into these sorts of processes but it's not like this signal if you, if you put original pictures into it, that's it. You're going to hit the top of the rankings. Right. Well, no, it's, it contributes. And it's not even a f- necessarily a f- constant contribution because we may take into account other things like if you're querying from Siberia uh, and it's really cold versus Kansas where it's really hot, well, different things might matter to these different people. Okay. Yep. And so there's lots of different information that can go into trying to find the best results for a particular person. So what have we got to do? Well, we've got to give general advice. And mm-hmm. so we give advice and these are best practices. Some people say, oh, you've published all your ranking signals. No, these are, we're not saying these are ranking signals. We're saying these are the characteristics that we see of good results. Gotcha. They, you know, People like an article, uh, I'm just looking at this list on the screen, like evaluate from a user's perspective. Well, that's because users like that. Mm-hmm. Users want to know, is this a good product for me? I don't care what the manufacturer thinks about it. I want to know, is it good for me? And so all of these factors are trying to work out what is good for the end user. And then we're trying to bring up reviews that are good for the end user. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, everybody, you know, You've also got the bad actors who are trying to get all the traffic with the least possible effort and without actually providing good results for people. They're just trying to trick Google. Yes. And that's a constant battle because, um, and I'm not saying everybody's trying to do it because people are validly trying to get their rankings up. Nothing wrong with that. They Mm -hmm. should be trying to get their rankings up. They should be trying Mm -hmm. to do SEO. But we've got to sort of trade off then to sort of say, well, are they doing it just to game the system? Or are they actually really providing good, honest results? Are they really describing it from, have they actually touched the product? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, they're potentially introducing a new useful perspective as distinct from, oh, I've just copied and pasted all the Amazon reviews. Right. And, that, and SEO'd it. 
Yeah, I mean, they haven't actually contributed to the, like, it's nothing that they, somebody wouldn't have got before. And so that's part of the challenge is trying to work out what is the most useful content for people. And then you code that into algorithms and you've got all these weightings and scores. And it's not that, like, it's not like product rankings are only got a product ranking score. There's lots of mm-hmm. other things that contribute to it as well. And it all gets mushed into an, an humongous algorithm and no single human understands how it all works. So it's almost no point trying to break it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan, what's the algorithm? It's a <laughs> You're not going to tell us. Part of it. I can't. It doesn't and fit I, my brain. I would imagine that because um, Google's made a lot of advances recently in understanding searcher intent, that must yeah. play a big role in it, right? Is uh, you're trying to understand what is it that the searcher is trying to accomplish, and then uh, you know which websites do a good job of uh, of, of meeting that goal. Um, yeah, and add to that, it's all automated and the algorithms get it wrong at times. And yes. so then you, you're sort of continually tweaking things to sort of say, oh yeah, actually we don't like that result either. What can we do about it? And you've got to try to work out why with this seething massive algorithm that, yeah, I'm not saying that nobody understands it, but when you get into machine learning, the whole idea is it's meant to spot patterns that the human didn't spot. Cause mm-hmm. the old expert systems was you, you'd actually write code. You'd write out yep. all the rules and but then you had to work out all the rules. Well, the, the the more modern machine learning is you teach it. Here's good and here's bad. You work out what the rules are, and it's all numbers and weighted and uh, and, and so no human sort of sits down and says, "Oh, this one is point three seven two nine more important." And you know, it's just just not how it works. So really, our best course of action then is to look at the questions that you've given us and and yes. do our best job at trying to answer those. Like I've, I've seen people try to, I don't know if manipulates the right word, but uh, when you first came out with the questions, a lot of affiliate sites added something on their about page that would say, you know, I've been using these products for 10 years. Uh, and as a, you know, trying to demonstrate firsthand expertise. Uh, but I feel like Google has to be the the algorithms have to be smarter than just oh the words you know for ten years that are on the page therefore they must be experts uh, in yes. it. it are, are you able to give us um, any tips on how we could demonstrate firsthand expertise? I mean, you did talk about unique images. Uh, anything else? Yeah, it, it, and frankly, it's it's basically the advice on the page, and it, it's just hard. Now, if somebody's <laughs> flat out lying about it. Um, it can be hard. Um, but frankly, if you're going to that effort of creating all this unique content, that's really, really good content, you may as well just do a good review because if mm-hmm. they find it's a bad review and you start getting bad ratings or people don't find it value when you get bad press about you, you're going to lose in other sorts of uh, things, but it really is like, can you bring an insight that nobody else has had about the product? Mm-hmm. Okay. You don't have to just repeat what everybody else says. Yep. What is what is what is something you've discovered about it? What about a, for a particular niche? And it sort of gets into content creators. You know, there's all these little niches around now, and people know about a particular thing. Um, we just got a puppy at home. Well, the kid's got a puppy. I guess who looks after it? Um, <laughs> and it, it's you now it gives me a fresh perspective on different products. You know, I, I'm very interested now in cleaning products for floors for little <laughs> mistakes that happen, and you know, I don't want a generic carpet cleaner. I want ones that gets rid of smells in particular. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you can sort of say, look, I'm an expert on carpet cleaning products for dogs. Yes. Okay. And so you can, if you've got some knowledge about that, 
you know, dealing with um, specific people and showing your expertise in a particular area can be one way to stand out because you might get different traffic than other people. Because like, if you just write the same review as everybody else, we're not, we're trying to get good answers to questions. Mm -hmm. And if there's already got 10 other people doing a good answer for it, well, we're going to pick some sort of basis to put one yeah. up above the other and so forth. But if you've got, if you're providing a new aspect to it, and so people are asking about dog carpet cleaning products, well, if you've got more expertise in that area, now bring that out in your, your, yes. um, your things and show that you actually understand it, that people can trust you and you can be a reputable voice. And that's a different way of getting traffic is to sort of target a niche uh, audience mm -hmm. that other mm -hmm. people might not be trying to do. Yeah. And I think, I think that's really key is finding the questions that your audience has that, uh, you know, the generic sites maybe haven't covered so much yeah. uh, that, that, that really makes sense. Um, let's see here. Uh, one of the questions talks about, uh, explain what sets a product apart from its competitors. Uh, now, um, I think um, sometimes when I'm advising on how to do this, uh, I, and I think you're probably going to say you can't give me the exact answer to this, is how to structure our pages. If I'm writing a review for something, is it important for me to have like a, a heading that says, here's what separates this product from its competitors? Or uh, is Google uh, able to just kind of figure out from the whole page itself whether I do a good job at answering that question? So there's several different ways of looking at it. And the way I tend to personally recommend externally is if I told you exactly what we did today, there's a good chance we're not going to do it tomorrow. Okay. And, and so what we're trying to do is provide the best answers for humans. So write the page in a way that makes sense for humans, because every time we change the algorithm, maybe not everybody believes me, but every time we try to change your algorithm, we're trying to produce better results for humans at the end of the day. Yes. And so if you think the page is clearer for a human to be able to sort of skim down and read and sort of say, ah, this is a section I really want to read. This is great content. I'm, I'm learning something about it. Then yeah, put in headings. Okay. If you're finding the headings making it more confusing for people, well, you know, I, I always take the point of view, Google is trying to work out the best answer for humans, and we will keep tweaking and tuning our algorithms towards that goal. So yes. if you go for our current algorithm, you're setting yourself up to say, okay, well, next week, it might change again. Okay, I've got to change again. Next week, it changes again. Oh, I've got to keep changing it. Whereas I think if you focus more on what's actually useful for people, mm -hmm. then at least we're both striving towards the same goal. And yes. it's, it's more likely to last longer. In, in my opinion, it doesn't mean you shouldn't sort of think about it. Mm -hmm. And I definitely think you should be monitoring and measuring how well your site is going, because then you can tell whether you're really satisfying people or not. Yeah. Um, but, but I tend to uh, shy away from saying, do this exact thing. Yes, headings, definitely put headings in, because if it was a critical thing today, there's no guarantee it will be a critical thing tomorrow, in which case the advice is out of date because I, I I was on the side building websites. Some people think, oh, you just tweak a few things and it'll be all fixed tomorrow. Well, it certainly wasn't true in e-commerce. You know, it took ages to get new feature developed. And so it's sort of like, well, mm -hmm. 
do I really want to recommend a specific change rather than that's going to just be a short-term fix? No, I'd be yep. thinking about the long-term. I'd be thinking about making it best for the humans reading your site to make so they can get the most value out of it. And, and headings do help humans. They help that's, them like, yep. scan a page, find the right heading. And say, so, great, that's the content I'm after. I want to go off and read it. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that as a, when I'm thinking as a searcher, when I'm looking for something, I'm not necessarily looking for the longest article that tells me every single detail about a product. Uh, you know, I have very specific questions and uh, I think we're, we're all kind of spoiled now that we uh, want our results as quickly as, as we can get them, right? Uh, so yeah. that's something that we advise is, um, you know, when you're optimizing your pages is to make sure that the user can find their answer quickly. Uh, so to me, headings is one way uh, to do that. Um, sometimes I think uh, images can be a way to do that or to, you know, to explain something faster uh, yeah. or video. Um, I, you know, I, I'm really, I keep talking about um, Google talking about mum, and what's uh, what's upcoming again? I'm not sure how much you can you can share here, but uh, it seems to me that what you're what Google's doing with uh, Google Lens and trying to get people to uh, pay more attention to having high quality images on the site that this is all very very important uh, to move away from just using the same stock photography that everybody else has uh, and and giving. Uh, people uh, really, really helpful information uh, in in video and image format as well. Yeah. yeah, and video is one of those sort of challenging sorts of things. Like uh, producing that video series, like uh, video can give a much better indication across. And we're doing more and more processing of video. It's also much more expensive to produce. Yeah, yeah. and it's very expensive to update. And so if you've got to go back and change it, and so you've got to take the practicality as well. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, photos are fantastic. Even them, they're not, they're not necessarily cheap to make um, to mm -hmm. actually do a good quality photograph, uh, photograph, but, but it is valuable. And, and so I don't always sort of say, oh, yes, definitely. Everybody race out and do lots and lots of videos of it because I know there's a maintenance pain that comes along with it. And if there's a new version of the product, what are you going to do? Go and reshoot all the videos. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean never do it, but you've got to take all these sorts of things into account. But, but definitely, I think there's a trend to people want more visual. Yep. They like visual in the search results. We're doing more and more in the terms of the visual. And so... Imagery does matter. Good quality imagery does matter. Yes, it's helpful for things like Google Lens. Is it going to take over the world? Probably not. But if you really want to get multiple avenues of sort of getting found, then it, it, it does help. Mm -hmm. And for a product review, the reason for a unique image is a little bit different. It's, it's not that you want to get, like it's actually easier to get found if you use exactly the same stock standard image as everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're using that more as a sort of signal to sort of say, yeah, you've touched this product. You've actually got real firsthand experience with it. Right. And if you don't have unique images, if it's just exactly the same as all the other ones, it, it, it's not that you don't, you're not an expert, but we're just trying to base it off the, an automated algorithm advice, looking at the page. How do we judge whether this is really a good article or not? Um, Interesting. And, and so it's sort of like, oh, well, if I can show my doggy product being used on a carpet with a certain yellow stain that has happened. Well, again, that, that's sort of showing that you 
that you really care about it, that you're serious about, you no, know, you're a dog lover and I really want the best products. I'm telling you the best products for dogs and I've, I've got hands-on experience with it. That sort of stuff. And um, it gets into, you know, you, you eat and some people say, oh, do you have an eat score? Well, no, it's exactly the same sort of thing. There's no single thing that's yeah. saying eat. Yes, that's the number that we come up for people. no. It's just that we try, and although algorithms are trying to find the best content, and we find the best content comes from experts. Yes. And so, yes, it's something you should be thinking about as a creator because we don't think you should be worrying about this, whatever the number is today that we've fed into the algorithm, that self tuning and a whole lot of stuff. Um, so you, yeah, you brought I, I up a, on a little bit. Oh, no, that's all right. No, I'm, I'm letting you uh, go because it's fascinating stuff. Um, you, you brought up a question for me. So say I am a pet blogger and I'm writing about, uh, you know, because I have a lot of experience in cleaning up messes on my carpet. I, I feel like as a as an expert pet owner, I would have one product that I, you know, that I really recommend and that I use. Uh, would it be beneficial for that for me as a blogger to actually purchase all of the other products that are highly recommended and and do some tests with them? Or am I going like way overboard? Because I think that would help people. But also from the perspective of a blogger, I mean, it would take ages to uh, produce that type of content. Sure. And it, so it's up to that blogger to decide what they want to do. Um do we um, value comparative blogs, uh, reviews? Yes, mm -hmm. we do. Do we value individual reviews? Yes, we do. They are both valuable. And so if you think about, if you're purp if purposely, one of your goals for the blog is to get more traffic to your site overall, well, the more articles you have, you've got more potential um, traffic that's coming in. Like if I know a particular brand and I actually want to review on that brand because it's available in my local pet store, but I've just never heard of it before. If you're the one with that content, you may then get found as a result. Mm -hmm. um, if you only do the top products, well, is everybody else only doing the top products? So is it worth it? Well, that's, that's a really hard one to answer. If, if you're not bringing any new aspect to it and we've got 10 identical product reviews about the same product and you're after traffic well you're struggling a little bit but if you talk about well i'm going to talk about um uh, home recipes handed down by my grandma of how to get it out and as well as different things yeah yeah you may get traffic that somebody else is not getting so it's not a matter of saying oh you should not review other products if you're not actually using them no you should use a product and so you can actually demonstrate you know something about it you've got to try it Otherwise, yeah. what are you really adding to it? Do you need to try everyone? Well, that's up to you to some extent. If you mm -hmm. want to become an expert on all the range of products, the more products you mention, the more likely if somebody searches on one of those products explicitly, if they're trying to compare between two brands, then they're looking for reviews on that brand. Mm -hmm. And so if you only mm -hmm. reviewed your own one, well, you'll get some traffic, but you're missing out on other traffic. So it's sort that of like yep. having breadth means you're more likely to get the different sorts of searches. Makes sense. That does make sense. Um, That's <laughs> you did it. That's good. Uh, one of the questions we're almost through here. I think uh, one of one of the questions uh, is to describe key choices in how a product has been designed and their effect on the users beyond what the manufacturer says. I I, I feel like that's a little bit unclear to me. Are you able to give an example of uh, how that would work in action? 
yeah, it, it's it, sometimes the wording's not great, and you can you can blame me. I, I almost failed English at high school, by the way. Um, <laughs> so uh, it, it's nothing that deep. It's sort of like saying I've got a carpet cleaning product, and it's a generic um, carpet cleaning product, and the manufacturer says this product is great for cleaning carpets, and I come along with my pet dog, and I've got a particular sort of stain and I use it for that particular stain, what I'm saying is, look, the manufacturer didn't say this is really good for dog, gotcha. for puppy stains, but I'm telling you, I've tried it, and it actually it works really good for this particular sort of problem. Or um, I've walked in with oily shoes because uh, I'm a mechanic and I've got oil stains on the, on the floor and I'm, I've used it on that, and it works really well for them too. So... That is something that the manufacturer might not have said about it, but you're contributing now to the body of knowledge. Okay. And you may get found on a search that nobody else is getting found on because there's people ask all sorts of weird things yeah. on Google. <laughs> and if you're trying to get found, then as it, it keeps coming back to, if you just go after the same content as everybody else, you're not increasing the body of knowledge. We like all sorts of different knowledge. Because we want to, if somebody's got a very specific need, we want to direct someone at that, that to an answer yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah. And there's so much out there now that that's why it really it is can be very fruitful to have specific things. Like, can I guarantee that will be successful? No, I can't guarantee it. It got to use your brains. You got to use common knowledge. If I mm -hmm. start blogging about um, stains from astronauts on my carpet, there's probably not many people are coming back from the moon and leaving you know, <laughs> lunar dust on my carpet. So you, you got to pick topics that people are interested in. Makes sense. Yeah. But showing more depth, increasing the body of knowledge. Yes, that is definitely worthwhile doing. Okay. That, I so think that the one, depth, there's nothing yeah. deeper than that one. Okay. It's just sort of saying the manufacturer has talked about their intent for the product, but if the product's good for other things, talk about that too. You're gotcha. adding and to you the body would only know that if you had expertise in that in that area, right? Yes. Uh, so that that sort of flows into that question. Yep. Um, one of the uh, criteria that you added to a, a later post on product reviews is um, including links to multiple sellers. It says uh, to give the reader option to purchase from their merchant of choice if it makes sense for your site. Uh, are you able to tell us if that's uh, something that Google's currently uh, measuring? A lot of these things are not necessarily direct as well. Mm -hmm. And so I can't, uh, simple answer is no, I can't answer okay. it. Mm -hmm. um, but why would we be suggesting it if we didn't look Good at point. it? Good um, point. And it, it's sort of like, it, it comes into also things like if you think about trust, if I find a review and every a site has reviewed 10 products and every single one is a link off to well, I'll just use Amazon again. Um, sure, yeah. Link off to Amazon with an affiliate link where they get a commission. Me, as a, somebody using the reviewers, start to scratch my head and start to saying, are they just doing this for income? Are, are, they, are they really actually telling me something useful? Can I trust this review as much? Whereas if they've sort of got links off to multiple sites, it's sort of like saying, okay, they're not just in the Amazon affiliate program. They're right. actually doing it because they care that they want to do stuff. Now, uh, you've also got to read up because uh, so some of the fun things is some of the affiliate programs are exclusive. And so yeah, uh, are yeah. we telling you to go against those things? Well, no, that's your, that's your decision. You've got to yeah. go off and decide. We're not telling you what to do for an affiliate program. Uh, are we saying that if you only have one product, will you never get ranked? No, we're not saying that. 
Mm-hmm. But we mm-hmm. say that people find the review more useful if they can trust it. And people trust reviews if it's got multiple sellers because it's mm-hmm. not clearly one. Is that the only thing that matters? No, all sorts of things matter. Right. So it's sort of like, don't take one of these things and say, like, I've had some people say, well, I did this point and I did it, but I'm not at the top of the rankings yet. <laughs> well, well, yeah, it, it contributes, but. Yeah, yeah. I, I think people focus on the uh, expertise area when they ask that question, you know, well, why is this site ranking above me when they clearly don't have firsthand expertise, but maybe, you know, the page is better for other reasons uh, for, for searchers. Yeah. And cause yeah. there's all sorts of other things, you know, get into all the core web vitals, you know, how fast is the page? Yeah. Be? Yeah. 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 The, the, um, how useful do people trust the site overall? You know, if it's a big well-known name and you're a small independent mm-hmm. blogger, Maybe people don't trust you because they don't know who you are yet. And so they've got to get to know you. Uh, I'm not saying, is this all fair? But, well, heck, if I know, I don't know. (laughs) If you see a new site, oh, it's a new site. Why aren't you helping me get more traffic? Well, the problem is a whole lot of bad players also create new sites all the time. Yeah. And so uh, it's, it's not that we're trying to penalize them. But we've got to take into account as trying to work out, are you reputable? Are you going to be there for a while? Are you actually going to be helping people or mm-hmm. are you just a flash in the pan? And you're not really serious about it. And so, okay, we've got yep. this one article, but there's, there's so many different factors. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to say that, oh, oh, now he said that this is a ranking factor. Got to remember, <laughs> I don't know all of the ranking factors. Yeah. And uh, maybe but- nobody does with machine learning now, right? Uh, you know, it's, there's so much that you know what your final outcome, what you want it to be, uh, you know, what the ideal type of site is. Uh, but I, I think Bing had come out and said that, uh, you know, there's no engineer at Bing that knows all of the ranking factors that are in their, in their search algorithms. Um, I would imagine it's the same for Google. Yeah. Well, you've just got many different teams working on different things and humans have only got brains with a certain degree of capacity. There's nothing yeah. nebulous about it. It's just large organization with a large team working on it like do you know everything that's going on and what all your peers are doing yeah (laughs) nobody does but but there are certainly yeah there's certainly things that's worth sort of going after and and to me and i was talking about before i I don't like recommending going after specific like do this one thing Mm -hmm. and it'll Mm -hmm. solve all your problems no it's just not realistic um yeah yeah and the other thing is it's all feeds into a computer algorithm. Do we always get it right? We know we don't always get it right. Yeah. Is it um, helpful for us to to send you examples when uh, when it looks like Google's clearly gotten it wrong? I, yes. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm, do... I'm, I'm, I'm on Twitter, akent99. And so okay. uh, people do send me examples. And as I said, uh, so frequently, hey, my site is not ranking as well as I'd like. Why not? Well, guess yes. what? I won't answer that. Yeah. But if I yep. look at it, and I try and look at every single one, but if I look at it and I sort of say, yeah, actually, that one, the one above you looks mm-hmm. like terrible and yours looks much better. I do, like I do Excellent. some filtering, but I pass it on to the actual team as an example to sort of say, this one's worth inspecting. So I'm completely okay. happy to, to get examples of situations that um, people think look strange. That's great. Uh, I might send you but, some because people send them to me uh, saying, you know, why is Google ranking this? And most of the time 
it kind of makes sense to me, like, because I've studied the questions that you've given us and it, it I can actually see that it's making a difference, you know, that uh, some of the sites that dropped out of rankings clearly did not answer uh, those questions well. Uh, but, um, but there's never a solid answer, uh, you know, so. Yeah, well, I'm just not allowed to give an answer for a specific true. site. True. So I just cannot answer that one. And people sort of beg and all that, and I just can't. Just but if there's happen. clearly a problem in the algorithms, then that's something that you can work with the team uh, to, uh, to, exactly. to try to, to fix that. That's, that's good. Um, I guess uh, one final thing in Google's announcement for the helpful content update, they told us that there are upcoming product reviews updates uh, in the works. Are, are you able to tell us anything about uh, either, I, you probably can't, but a timeline or anything that we should know about these upcoming updates? Sure. And the answer is no. Um, and there's, there's two reasons. Yeah, I know you have to ask, <laughs> but there's actually two reasons. Um, one and one is I don't always know <laughs> is part of the reality. There's so many things going on, but the other one is um, sometimes things go wrong with rollouts. And so actually I found that sometimes when we over communicate, it's actually more harmful to the community because if something goes wrong and it doesn't actually get released, People did all this work and then they complain, well, we did all this work and mm -hmm. it, it didn't actually happen. And so we've got to make that sort of judgment about directionally, how important is something directionally? Like, is it going to be true in the long term? Um, is it guaranteed? And, and so frequently it's just easier just to tell you when it, something actually happened or even mm -hmm. slightly after it's actually happened. Um, because then we know it's really like, you're not planning yeah, for something yeah. and if something goes wrong and we don't meet the date, we don't want to harm people as a result. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes and sense. It, it does I, happen. Yeah. I remember years ago when uh, Gary Ish told us uh, that an upcoming penguin update was going to happen. I think he said in the next couple of months and it was like two years before we actually had the update. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't think Gary was trying to mislead us or anything. I think it was just super oh, complicated. Well, uh, do you have Gary, you Gary, say some you bad things Gary. about Gary? <laughs> Apparently everybody blames him, right? So, um, but I understand that, you know, you can't uh, give us exact dates. Uh, it does seem to me though, that this is really something that's on Google's radar is uh, promoting content that is helpful to searchers, um, especially yes. in regards to, uh, uh, to products. I, you know what, I meant to ask this earlier, the product reviews questions, are they just for sites that review products? Or as if I'm a, a manufacturer of products, uh, should I be paying close attention to those questions as well? Um, so they're for reviews. Okay. Anybody can publish a review. Yep. So if you manufacture a, a product, you can review your own products. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, some merchants, for example, review products that they sell. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, okay. There's different things that come into it. And it, or like if you only review your top selling products and, you know, we've got to take all sorts of fun and games into sort of account, but, but certainly anybody can write a review. Okay. The, the question is um, how good is it? How useful is it? Is it contributing to the body of knowledge? Is it trustworthy? Is it, these are the sorts of questions that sort of come up. We don't sort of say, um, Oh, you're not a dedicated review site. Therefore, you can't write a review. Right. No, that's simply not true. Okay. Good. Okay. That's excellent. Anything else that you want to share with us that I didn't cover or that you think is important for us to, to know in regards to e-commerce sites? 
Not really. Um, right. I, I, as you mentioned, thank you very much for mentioning the videos that I put out recently. That was the first batch. I'm actually like, we've just got them out. Um, we're starting to look at the next batch. And so I'd love to hear about any questions that people have, like where are there more gaps in knowledge? Um, Cause I can use that for future topics because excellent. For me, my goal, the only reason I'm here, um, you might sort of say, well, you get paid and yes, I do get paid and all that sort of stuff. But, but I, I actually just enjoy trying to help people to be completely honest. Um, and so I'd much rather produce a video that's actually helpful to the people on the outside world. And if, so if there's any questions people have or great topics for future videos, there we um, go. I'd love to hear about them. Okay, great. And I'm going to link to your Twitter in the description and the most recent videos that you've put out. And I, I want to reiterate again, like how helpful they are, because uh, historically, sometimes when we see these, you know, from Google, here's three tips to improve your page speed or something. They're, they're all right, but they haven't changed my strategy or my advice to clients. And, and these, I actually really learned a lot of stuff uh, from them. So thank you for that. And, uh, uh, you know, if I have more questions, I'll, I'll tweet at you as well. Uh, maybe give you some, some video ideas. Cause if I'm questioning it, there's probably other people that are, uh, that have the same question. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, great. Well, thanks so much for doing this. And, uh, 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 hopefully we'll get to chat again sometime soon. Sure. Thank you very much for having me. Great. And for everybody who's listening, uh, thanks for listening. And I wish you the best of luck with your rankings.